believe that God has been leading us to this point to send Simon and Fiona and the kids to go and lead New Life Biggin Hill in southeast London. A couple of years ago at a New Frontiers, uh, sorry, a Regents Beyond Gathering, um, there was a prophetic word came that was really a catalyst, if you like, for this, which said that God is going to be um, divinely repositioning people for maximum impact. And we really believe that this is part of that happening. There's been a number of people across regions beyond churches, moving nation, moving towns to to partner with others in the gospel. We really believe that's what's happening here. So as I said, this isn't just a nice idea. This isn't just a job change. We believe fundamentally that God is is leading us. He's been leading leading these guys. He's been preparing them for this moment. So they're going to go and lead New Life Biggin Hill. I mean, Simon's going to take that role, but as a family, they're going to be giving themselves to this, to, to serving the church there. And I just want to say of the Turners, I, I don't know about you, but I think they're great. I think they are such a huge... I think they're just such a huge blessing, not just to us as a community, but to many, many people across this town that would know them and love them and have been impacted by who they are. And so we, we really are going to miss you guys as you go and just... Not only that, the privilege of serving with you and and having led with you and having gotten to know you guys over many, many years. There's a real moment at these kind of points where you recognize this is change and there's a sadness. And I just want to say that's okay. In the Bible, there's many points where people part ways because of the mission of God and it's tinged with sadness. Just read through the the, um, book of Acts and you see... The Apostle Paul, as he was on his missionary journeys in Acts 20 and 21, and you see he, he parted ways with people whom he loved and whom loved him, and there was moments of sadness. Joy because it's the mission of God that they're living out, but sadness because it's real relationships that will change from that point forward. So it's okay this morning to have a sense of sadness and joy. That's one of the privileges we have as Christians, is we get to, to carry both at the same time and carry them well. We, we are sad, but we're also joyful and expectant at what God is doing. So, it is, it is a real thing. These guys really are going Wednesday. You're actually leaving Swindon. Is that right? So they are going from Swindon on Wednesday. But I just want to say three statements as to why this is good for Cyan Fee and why this is also good news, therefore, for us. So I'm not preaching. These are just statements I want to make to help us think about this well this morning. So the first one is this. We, the people of God, we are a missional people. We're a missional people. We've been sent on mission. And mission looks like going, sending, planting, taking new ground. Being on the front foot with this. Not waiting for somebody else to do it. But saying, hey, we've got a part to play. Understanding that the reason we exist, the reason we're here, is because God is a God of love. And there's a mission that he has sent his church, you and I, on to be a part of. The danger for us is that we forget that. And the danger is that in 20 years' time, Gateway Church looks exactly the same as it does today. With the same people sat in the same seats. That would be a sad state of affairs if we ever get to that place. The church is a dynamic, evolving, responsive people. And so, as cries come up from churches like Mumbai a couple of years ago and when Franco and the team there said, we need some help, Simon and Fiona were able to partner with those guys and go and strengthen them. Likewise, at this point with Biggin Hill, there's, a, there's, there's a, a door that's open for Simon to go and lead the team there and for these guys to lead the church. And so, in that sense, this is a real missional step. It's a real missional um, springboard, if you like. 
And I just want to say that it's really important that we remember at these moments, it's not just people looking for jobs. We must never, ever get into that way of thinking. It's that there's doors of opportunity, ground that must be taken, churches to be planted, nations to be reached with the good news of Jesus. Eddie, it's great having you in the room. (laughs) Second point, quickly. Because of that, we are ascending people. And so... It's great to be doing this with the Turners this morning. It's great in a moment that we'll get to lay hands on them and pray and prophesy over them and bless them as they go. But we need to be doing this more frequently. When you read through the Gospels and the book of Acts and, and the epistles, you, you see a church that was highly um, momentous. It was momentous, but a lot of movement taking place. It was a highly mobile church responding eager, expectant to be sending people, receiving people. This should be a feature of the local church. And so in a moment, we're going to pray after these guys have shared, we're going to pray, give opportunity for us to respond also, because I believe as the turners go, it kind of sets up a springboard to say, hey, there's more that need to go. There's more people who God has given dreams and spoken over. Thirdly, just to say this, this is how God's economy works. I realize that this morning... There will be some people, many of us will be thinking, gosh, these guys will be living a gaping hole in the life of Gateway. These guys are a massive blessing. Their care and love for not just some people in the church, but for the church at large, the way they serve people so well, there will be a hole that's left. Let's just be real. There will be a huge hole that's left as as these guys go. And I realize for some of us, we might be thinking, how on earth are we going to ever plug that hole? The reality is God's kingdom works like this. It's called an upside down kingdom for a reason. Because in God's kingdom, if you want to be the greatest, you need to become the least. If you want to find life, you need to lose life. If you want to receive blessing from God, then you need to give generously. And God's kingdom works upside down to the way of the world. The world says, gain for yourself and then you'll have. God says, no, give away and then I'll bless you. It's it's an upside down kingdom. It's a different kind of economy. And so, actually, the very answer to how will we plug this hole is in the very fact that we're in the flow of what God is doing by sending these guys, by not standing in the way, by recognizing what God has been doing, preparing these guys, getting them ready to go as we lay hands on them and bless them. We say, God, we're blessing, yes, these guys, but also what you are doing. We're blessing your plans, your purposes that you've said to us, go, multiply, make more disciples, be fruitful. And so as we, as we get on board with what God is doing, the promise is he will plug the holes. He will provide new gifts. He'll bring new people. He'll raise up gifts from amongst us that won't become Simon and Fiona's, but that people will find their calling and destiny in God in the coming days. It's how it works in the kingdom of God. So what is good for these guys is good for us also. I just finished by saying this. I, I don't know if you remember, but at the start of this year in our term launch, I said, I believe that God spoke to me um, that one of the defining things for this year would be that it would be a year of multiplication and movement. And we knew this was true of the Turners anyway at that point. We were already talking about them moving on to Biggin Hill. But I wasn't just thinking of those guys. I think it's much wider for us. I believe God wants to make us a highly mobile people. I believe God wants to breathe, even this morning, new dreams, speak prophetically over lives here, new destinies for people. A new sense of, God, you're stirring me. The dreams and passions and visions and prophetic words that you've given me from years ago, God wants to breathe life into those this morning. We are not to be a static people. And so this is where the privilege is, as we pray for these guys, God will also use that as a springboard for us for more. So I'm going to shut up.
I'm going to hand over. Guys, can we welcome Simon and Fiona? Good afternoon. Um, First and foremost, I want to say a massive thank you to all for being so generous. Right now, thanks to the offering you gave, we have a removals firm in our house currently emptying it, ready to go into storage for a couple of weeks whilst we wait for the completion on our sale and purchase. It's been a long, tiring, complicated, emotional week, but I've been so grateful for all the messages of encouragement and help, not just this week, but since we started the journey. It's fair to say that today is a real mix of emotions. Many of you won't know, but I have been part of Gateway since before the first Sunday morning meeting. I remember my parents talking about planting a church in Swindon 25 years ago, whilst we were still living in Worcester. Never could I have imagined that a church plant of four families would end up being what we see here today. Um, June, (laughs) you're going to hate me for this, but can you stand up, (laughs) please? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, June. Um, June and her... No, stay there. (laughs) June and her husband, Brian, were two of those founding members all those years ago. You were an integral part of the church plant and you have remained faithfully committed still to this day. I want to honour you, June. I want to say thank you for your love and encouragement over all these years. I carry you, Gateway Church, deeply in my heart. I've done all of my growing up here. I first gave my life to Jesus in this church. I was baptised in this church. Well, not literally, as we were meeting in the Link Centre, so I got baptised in the swimming pool. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I met Simon here. We got married, had kids, and then found ourselves on the leadership team. To me, it's a massive wrench to be leaving, Not just my home, but my family. However, when God says go, you don't say no. In reality, we're all a bit daunted by this, and I'm actually finding it all a bit scary. But knowing that God has so clearly led us and called us gives us confidence in his ability to equip us to fulfill the call that he has for us as a family. When I think back over the last 24 years and see how God has been so faithful in what we set out to do, and then as I look forward to the coming years, I am so excited at what God has in store for you, Gateway, as you continue to step out in faith. I look forward to hearing all about what God is doing in you and through you in the coming weeks, months, and years. <laughs> okay, let me just explain. <laughs> so on April Fool's Day, I put on Facebook that Mark was starting hair replacement therapy and that uh, we were standing with him in prayer and support. <laughs> it looks like it worked, praise God. <laughs> oh dear. This is actually the third time I've spoken this morning. So we obviously had the first service, but before the first service at 7am this morning, I was 
on the screen in the church in Mumbai, wishing them well, because today they are setting aside elders in their team, which is a huge thing for the church in India. And so it's been a real privilege to be part of that journey. You're part of that journey as well. As you sent us out there, I feel like today they're starting to step into the more of what God has for them as a church. And uh, I'm slightly torn as to where I wanted to be this morning, but obviously it was always going to be here. It was a cheaper journey. <laughs> now, in the, in the room... Um, there are crumbs. Compared to the first service, there are a lot more stories in the room um, today um, in this second service. There's lots and lots of history. For some of you, I don't even know your names. And for others, I know your birthmarks. So there's all kinds of history. As Fiona said, we've been around a long time. I moved to Swindon 20 years ago when Nigel was a high flyer in N-Power I'll never forget the day I received a letter with his name on the bottom of it. I should have kept it, really. It'd be worth something now. Probably not. (laughs) I remember when Colin was still in the youth group. I remember when Mark had hair. (laughs) I'm only joking. I've never known Mark with hair. But But he's been... An amazing privilege to serve alongside these guys. Mark and Jackie practically adopted me when I first moved to Swindon. Nigel, after several years of resisting, eventually gave in and let me live with him for a couple of years. I sometimes say I think we'd still be living together if we hadn't gone and got married. But every good thing comes to an end. And a new thing begins, which is wonderful. And as for Colin, before I secured the deal with Fiona, Colin was my biggest competition. (laughs) Fiona had eyes for our beloved leader, which is a beautiful bit of history that none of you knew until now. (laughs) And then in recent years, I've got to know Al and Nick as well, which has been a real privilege to get to know these guys. God has given you some wonderful gifts, Gateway Church to see his purposes fulfilled here. And it's been an amazing privilege to play our small part in that. Now, in truth, I could spend the rest of this morning just waxing lyrical over all the emotions of what I feel about each one of you. It's great to see, like Colin said, so many, I don't want to say old faces, but let's be honest, (laughs) time's been kinder to some than others. But, you know, it's just great to see you. And I was kind of thinking, what do, I, what do I share this morning? Because I don't want to just indulge myself and yourselves in um, lots of romantic notions. But I was like, God, what do I share? What words of wisdom can I bring? What words of provocation? And then I realized I really don't have to worry about it because I'm not going to be here to pick up the pieces. So I can say whatever I want. And even Neil could turn me down, but I've got a big voice. In the church, in the kids' church. Anyway, okay, we did really well keeping on time. I need to be better this morning. I want to, you, I mean, I wanted to share my heart with you this morning, if that's okay, just for the next five, ten minutes. There's been some, um, you, sorry, you may be surprised to know that I've not always been a leader at Gateway Church. Um, in fact, I've only really been on the leadership team for the last four years officially. But I've been in the church for 20 years. Now, is there anybody here that has been in the church for 20 years or longer, in Gateway Church for 20 years or longer? Stand up. Stand up for me, if you can. If you can't, that's fine, Mark. I understand. Um, 
Do you know, we've had... In fact, let's just honour these guys, okay? Because, like Colin said, like Colin said, actually, the church looks very different now to what it looked like all those years ago. But actually, sometimes, no, stay standing. Sometimes God calls us, sometimes, sometimes God calls us to pioneer, but often he calls us to persevere. Sometimes he calls us to pioneer, but often he calls us to persevere. Okay, and we've had some great times over these last 20 years. Seeds of Revival, we've had um, Delirious playing at the Link Centre, we've had um, the move to the football ground, we've had Plants Out to Pinehurst and the Link Centre, and we've had the Kids Club, we've had some great, I haven't told you to sit down yet, stand up, Uh, no I'm only doing you sit down, and you know you guys are still here, and you're still persevering, and I believe that should be honoured. You know, one of my observations in life as I'm getting on in years is that actually durability and perseverance is very rare. We seem to live in a culture where if a company aren't doing exactly what we want to do, then we move companies. If a supplier isn't supplying our every need, we move suppliers. If a school isn't teaching the kids in the way we want them to be taught, we take the kids out of school and put them in another one. There are price comparison websites where we can go on to and say, this is what I want from a supplier, and you tell me which one will best fit my needs. Increasingly, we're in a disposable society where if it breaks, it's easier to replace it than to get it fixed, and often it's cheaper. Fee and I are guilty of that, even this week as we've been stripping down our our possessions because we're moving to a smaller home. We recognize, we're like, oh, we'll just give that to charity. We'll just give that to charity. We'll give that to charity. There's nothing wrong with it, but we, often we can live in this disposable society, this me-centered culture where accessibility to other options through the internet has never been easier, and we can simply flip from one supplier to another to another until we find what best fits our needs and our wants. My question is have we allowed that culture to creep into the church? Into the bride of Christ, where if it's not exactly the way we want it, we simply give up on it. We move along to the next one. Have we allowed grumbling and gossip to creep into the church, where, where we think about church, do we liken it to a price comparison website? Does it fit what I want? out of church. And I've got to be honest, Gateway, and say over the years, I have sat in that camp. I've grumbled at decisions that have been made. I've been hurt by leaders, offended when people walk straight past me in the street and yet want to stand next to me and worship on a Sunday. I've had promises made to me by those I respect and they've not been followed through. I felt that the church doesn't care about me, my needs, and my life. Do you know, it got so bad at one point that Fiona and I left the church. When Katie was only a baby, we left Gateway. Now, there were lots of reasons why we did that, and I don't have time to go into all of those now, but they were primarily down to our problems and our issues and not the church. And I'll tell you what, when I became a leader, man, things got really interesting. 
Instead of being the one in the congregation moaning about why are they doing this now and why are they doing that now, suddenly I became aware of everybody's opinion. It was amazing. Do you know, some want the worship longer. Some want it shorter. Some want it louder. Some want it quieter. Stop it. Some want to plant in Wooden Bassett and others want to plant in the east. Someone calling to preach longer. Someone calling to preach shorter. And there's another camp. I'm joking. Some want the leaders to be at their beck and call, and others want the leaders to have nothing to do with their private lives. Some people would love to see us focus more on seeing the gospel extend to the ends of the earth, and others think we already spend far too much time and money doing that. Some people would love it if we voted on every single decision. Whereas others don't think we're being proactive enough. Some want us to teach only straight from the Bible. I'm sorry, you're going to be disappointed this morning in that camp. Others say, why isn't the preaching more life applicable? Some people want our prayer meetings to be longer and more often. And other people don't even know we have prayer meetings. <laughs> Do you know, we can all find lots of things we would want to change in the church. We all have our own preferences, and we believe our preferences are the right ones too. I know, I've been there, and if I'm not careful, careful, I end up there again. Do you know, Fee and I even went through a phase of, we don't need to go to church to be Christians. We did. We just stopped going. Sunday TV's rubbish, but we stopped going to church. Steve Oliver, who leads our family of churches, once said... To say that you love Jesus but can't stand his church is like saying to the bride, I love your face, but I can't stand your body. Who would do that? But yet we can do that with the people of God. I love Jesus. I love the head. I love the face. But I can't stand his people. Do you know, there will never be the unity of agreement in church over everything. If you find yourself in a church where you agree with absolutely everything they do, every decision that's made, every, um, every aspect of what they are, the truth is you're in a church of one, yourself. And even then you'll probably disagree with yourself from time to time. However, God's plan for his people is that they would be placed into community, that they would be placed into a family. And where there's diversity, there's going to be differences. There is. But we can still have the unity of spirit, and I believe we even have got to fight for it. Doesn't mean we have to agree on everything. In Ephesians 4, Paul says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with each other in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. See, the unity of the Spirit isn't a unity of agreement. We don't have to agree on everything, on the length of worship, on the length of preaching, on whether we put too much money into the kids' work or not enough. We don't have to agree on all those things. But, but, we make a decision to be in the unity of the Spirit, in the bond of peace. We don't allow those disagreements to become to bring disunity amongst his people with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with each other in love. 
How many arguments or disagreements do you know have been started because there's too much humility? Or there's too much patience? Oh, do you know what? We just can't get on. There's just too much love. It just doesn't happen, does it? Paul goes on to say at the end of chapter, at the end of the chapter in verse 32, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Now, why am I telling you this, church? I'm telling you this because I believe we're in a new season, a season of driving stakes into the ground, of deciding to lay hold of what God's called us to and taking him for his word and driving a stake into the ground and partnering with him to see it fulfilled in our lives and in the life of the local church. We've been sitting on the sidelines for too long, shouting at the players on the pitch, shouting at the referee, shouting at the coach. It's time, church, to pull on a jersey and get involved in the match. When God spoke to us about moving to Biggin Hill, he spoke so vividly about taking hold of this stake and laying claim to the ground that he was leading us to. And I believe today is a day where for each of us, there is a stake in our hand that God has placed in our hand. And he's saying, today, church, will you drive that stake into the ground for my purposes, for your good, but for my glory? Gateway Church, you are more, as Fiona said, you are more than just people. You are family. You know that phrase, you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family? Never has a truer word been said about the body of God, the body of Christ. Look around you. God has, God has placed you into family. You didn't choose it. He chose you. And... He placed good gifts into you, into each one of you. Again, for for your good, but for his glory. That you may take hold of those gifts, that you may use them for for the advancement of his kingdom. That his name may be made famous in this world. Colin said, you know, this church, we're not to be a stagnant church. The people of God aren't to be a stagnant people. There's nothing wrong with persevering, but you still have a mission to go. That mission may very well simply to be go home and be the best that you can be by the power of the Spirit. Or it may be to go to the ends of the earth. God has placed things deep inside of you. Gifts that are to be used for his, his glory. It's a time to take hold of those things, church, and to run with them afresh. So being part of a church is not always easy. Being part of a family is not always easy. Ask my sister. She's here today. <laughs> But let's take heed of the provocation of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 12, where he says, strive to excel at building up the church. Strive to excel at building up the church. Don't just try. Don't just give it a shot and then give up. Strive to excel in building up the church. As Fee said earlier, God has great plans for you, both as individuals and as a church, And today is the day to take hold of those promises again. To take hold of those gifts that he's given you, that he's entrusted to you, and to drive them deeply into the ground and take him at his word. New Life Church, where we're going to, used to be led by Ray Lowe, who has got a passion for church history. And he's often known to quote C.T. Studd, 
who was a famous cricketer in the 1800s. In fact, he played in the, the first match on British soil against Australia and England where they took the bales and burnt them and it became the ashes. But he turned his back on cricket and became a missionary to Africa. And C.T. Studd once said, Only one life, it will soon be passed. Only what's done for Jesus will last. Only one life, soon it will pass. Only what's done for Jesus will last. If Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. I know that God has placed things deep in your heart as individuals and as a church. And today isn't about Fiona and me and the family going. This is about us as the people of God being mobilized to do kingdom exploits for his glory. To take hold of what he's placed in us and say, I'm going to be faithful with this, Lord, even if it means I've got to go back out and serve in the kids. You know, that stake might be I'm recommitting myself to the work that Gateway Church is doing here. That might look like giving financially. That might be sacrificially serving. That might be to pray. And that might be to do away with the spirit of disunity and to pursue the spirit of unity in the bond of peace. That might be the stake that God's placing on your heart to drive into the ground today. Or it might be that God, by his spirit, is reminding you of gifts that he's placed in you or of the call of God on your life from years ago that you've dismissed. You said, no, I've missed it. And you've put it on the shelf. And God's saying, no, there's still breath in your lungs I'm not finished with you yet. Those plans, those purposes I had for you are still active. They're still real. Will you choose today to partner with me and hold them before me and say, I will do, Lord, what you have placed on my heart to do because only one life, soon it will pass. But only what's done for Jesus will last. We love you, Gateway. We're proud of what you've become and we're excited to see what God's going to do in the future. Don't miss this opportunity to say, God, here I am. Send me. Amen.